When we first see Burke filled with dragons, we don't hear this is Burke. What we hear yeah. is romantic flight. What we hear is this realization of that romantic ideal. Mm -hmm. The actual like accomplishment of harmony and peaceful coexistence between the dragons and the Vikings. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Sitting at the Table. This week, we've got a really fun one. We did How to Train Your Dragon, number one, not number two. I've just got the two collector box set thing. Um, and yeah, once again, this was your first time seeing the movie, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Which is, oh, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> uh, we've, but if you've been following us for a while, you've got, you know, the drill. We've each picked three scenes that we think are important and useful for young film composers to learn from. And we're just going to take times and discuss our own perspectives on them. Mine mm -hmm. as a trained therapist turned professional musician. And Antonio as a trained musician turned professional therapist. We'll talk That's about right. music, emotions, psychology, storytelling, mm -hmm. all kinds of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's about it for intro-wise. Why don't we just yeah. dive right in? Let's do it. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to assume that my first scene happens first chronologically because mm -hmm. my opening scene is the opening scene. All right? That, that is indeed before mine, yeah. Because John <laughs> Powell does just such a masterful job with uh, main credits. Mm -hmm. All right? So there are a couple kind of scenes throughout a movie that require or really call for, I should say, big music. Mm -hmm. And it can be used very effectively. Now, a couple things that we're going to talk about before we watch this is to watch how this opening scene helps set the tone for the whole movie as large. And also try to pay attention to how like the different themes and motifs pop in and out as we watch it. And we'll go a little bit more deeper into that. But first, let's just kind of watch it. Okay. This is Burke. It's 12 days north of Hopeless and a few degrees south of freezing to death. It's located solidly on the meridian of misery. My village. In a word, sturdy. And it's been here for seven generations, but every single building is new. We have fishing, hunting, and a charming view of the sunsets. The only problems are the pests. You see, most places have mice or mosquitoes. We have... Dragons. Most people would leave. Not us. We're Vikings. We have stubbornness issues. My name's Hiccup. Great name, I know. But it's not the worst. Parents believe a hideous name will frighten off gnomes and trolls. Like our charming Viking demeanor wouldn't do that. Morning! What are you doing here? Get inside! Alright, So I think the whole opening shot kind of sequence is seven minutes long. And YouTube won't let us post this video with that. Yes. Um, but so the general there's a lot going on here. If you don't if you haven't seen it in a while, I do highly recommend you rewatch this entire opening sequence because it's just a masterclass on film composing because there's so many different things so i've talked about different types of technical cues versus non-technical cues technical cues being ones that are they involve the use of themes and motifs mm -hmm. and non-technical being the cues that don't now there are many different types of kind of uh challenges with every type of cue but the main titles the opening kind of sequence has a very very important role and that is to immediately set the overall tone and style and mood of the movie. All right. You need to right off the bat in your very first piece of music as the movie opens, let the audience know what kind of music they're going to be listening to, what kind of movie they're going to be watching. And this kind of opening title sequence is a very tricky tech because it has a lot of dialogue. We have a narration under over on top of it. You need to make sure that your music doesn't actually compete with the dialogue. We're getting to learn about the Vikings, we're getting to learn about the dragons, and most importantly, here we're getting to learn about Hiccup, the main character, and his place in all of this. Mm -hmm. And the way that kind of John Powell 
kind of approaches all of this. He does a bunch of really cool things. First, he opens up right away with the DreamWorks logo with a nice, small, intimate arrangement. Mm. All right. And he keeps that intimate layer, that intimate kind of arrangement as Hiccup starts talking. Right. We don't get big. We don't get bombastic. We just have kind of background music. And by that point, we've been able to grow accustomed to it. Because one of the cool things about uh, just the way the human ear works is once something becomes established, it very quickly just kind of becomes noise or background material. Um, and that's something that's very useful as a film composer is if you introduce an element and allow it the time to become established, anytime something new appears, that will automatically take the focus. Mm -hmm. In this case, we have the music, it's established, it's nice, and then Hiccup starts talking. So then Hiccup talking becomes the most interesting thing. Now, there are lots of videos all over YouTube that dissect this scene. Because in addition to setting the tone and the style and then kind of getting more bombastic as the action pops up, and uh, he helps use the, he introduces the sound palette, all the different kind of instruments we're going to be working with. He helps set the mood. This is going to be a fun kind of adventure family movie kind of thing. But he also does something that isn't as common anymore. And every single theme, every single motif that is going to be important to the movie gets used in this scene. Right, And it pops up, the love theme, the character themes, the dragon themes, the Viking themes, everything being used pops up at least once in this early, like, seven-minute thing. Mm. And that was a very common practice for a long time. It was called the overture. Like, the overture of an opera, from the days in opera, the idea was to introduce every single theme, every single melody that was going to be important, so that the audience would at least subconsciously recognize that material when it got reintroduced later in the story. And you don't see that as often in films anymore because a lot of the times there's maybe it's not the opportunity, maybe it's not the composer's style, but when it pops up, it just works so beautifully. And John Powell is just a, kind of a master at this. And so what we have, I don't know if I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but we have multiple types of cues being used here in one major scene. We've got the main titles and the main titles, its main job is to make sure that it introduces the mood and style of the movie mm -hmm. and sets the tone. We have a dialogue-heavy scene, and so he makes sure that he doesn't get in the way of the dialogue, and that's pretty that's pretty uh, difficult. Yeah. It takes a little bit of effort. And then third, he just goes off and introduces every single kind of theme and motif. It's just a beautiful, beautiful kind of example. Now, the one tip from like the world of like theater and opera on how to do a scene like this, if you want to write an opening like John Powell, you have to, by necessity, save it for last. Mm. All right, because if you want to introduce every single important theme motif in the very first scene, you can't possibly know that, how to do that, if you haven't already written all the themes and motifs and learned how they're going to be used throughout the film. So usually scoring a big scene like this, if you want to do it, is going to be one of the last things you actually do. Take the time to figure out all your character themes, all your world themes, your sound palettes, everything that's going to be important for the soundtrack. And then once everything, everything else is written in place and kind of good, then you can come back and score something like this, where you show off each of your motifs and kind of hint at them a bit. But uh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of what I wanted to say about the scene. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, not a whole lot on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. It's fantastical. Yeah. And I think that the theme kind of like, well, the themes yep. um, represent that. And I guess there's something to be said about kind of like fantastical, big, massive... Not like moving. I don't know if I get yeah. moving from it, but I feel like I do get kind of like this is a spectacle, right? So like we're we're kind of like trying to show that this is a spectacle. I also think it's kind of interesting how like if you are to kind of like put yeah. a normal human being in this, like there's this is like horrifying, right? Like this is True. kind of a terrifying yeah. scene, but the music kind of allows it to not be so terrifying. You yeah, know, this it, makes it kind of fun. That's yeah, another example exactly, of playing yeah. to the emotions of your audience. Exactly. You and score to the people that, that are watching. And not only that, but it shows off that this is commonplace. Mm -hmm. The fact that the Vikings yeah, aren't they, the Vikings aren't panicking. They're each got their designated job. Mm -hmm. Some of them seem genuinely excited. This seems like it's just a regular thing. It's almost like a highlight of their day. Right. Awesome. The dragons are attacking. We get to kill some dragons. We get to kill some dragons. And right. that also helps, that goes back to like setting the mood. Mm -hmm. All right? Because later in the movie, we find out very soon after this that killing dragons, as Hiccup narrates it, is a very like time-honored tradition for the Vikings. Mm -hmm. It's a rite of passage. In fact, as Hiccup starts to be trained to kill dragons, we find out that the top student, the valedictorian, gets to be the first one to kill their dragon. Mm-hmm. 
And so yeah, it's kind of a rite of passage. That's I'd never really noticed that. That's yeah. that's cool. That's the idea of setting the mood for the story as well. Right. Making this part of like the daily life of a dragon. And that's reflected in the dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. Where Hiccup talking about how the dragons are viewed as pests. Right. Alright, they're not this horrible like deity plague or whatever. They're just pests. They're annoying. They come there. They kill the, the the reason why they're killing the dragons is because the dragons come and take their flocks. Mm-hmm. And when they try to stop them, the dragons will kill them if given the chance. So now yeah. it's just, all right, it's man versus nature kind of thing. Right. PVE. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. Wow. I think this is like the fastest we've ever like taken off for a podcast episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just dived right in. We're in. <laughs> all right. So that was kind of like more of a technical mm-hmm. than we're used to in terms of like breaking down. Remember, kind of summaries, the main credits... The main credits scene, set your tone and style, introduce your themes if you'd like to, and just make sure you don't get in the way of any important dialogue. We've talked about all of those skill sets in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what I had for my first scene. I'm going to check that off. What is your next scene? Yeah, so my next scene is going to be when Hiccup goes and meets Toothless for the first time and unties him. Yes, that was one of my backup scenes. That's a very nice one. Let's do this. This, this fixes everything. Yes! I have brought down this mighty beast. No. Oh. one <laughs> all right well what do you gotta say so there's a lot of ha- there's a lot happening here mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on one thing in particular that i actually noticed watching it this time is i was kind of thinking in terms of like score to your audience and yep. score to like who's watching and it is families it's kids mm-hmm. kids have an understanding of emotions that is very 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 like oh what's the word i don't want to say simple or like unsophisticated because, like, I feel like that's kind of, there's juvenile. some weight to there. Eh, I don't like juvenile either. I'm going to say, like, it's yeah. simple. It's easy. It's, like, it's very, it's straightforward. Yeah. It's very straightforward. I yeah. like juvenile. It, right. well, it means young. <laughs> Doesn't it? 
We need to get lost in that one. Uh, different uh, uh, different strokes for different folks, if you will. But um, but no, in terms of like, it, it, it's very like, it's just very straightforward. Right? Yeah. So like, there's an emotion that Hiccup is experiencing, and the music is gonna just like reflect that. Like, yeah. Very simple. Um, so it, it's it's fun. It's easy, and and it's predictable though too. Yeah. You know, like it's really predictable. So if you're thinking in terms of like scoring for like a younger audience, being like you know like families, right? Mm-hmm. So like families of like young children, it's good to kind of keep the predictability factor you know strong so because we don't want to throw too much i mean there's obviously complexity like there's, there's a lot of complexity, complexity like, but toothless straight up accepted death at one point in this scene yeah that's, yeah. that's and he, heavy he almost did it with like a smile it was kind of like weird hmm. yeah hmm. yeah it's i mean there's a lot happening in this scene and i almost chose it for one of mine as well mm-hmm. really the only reason why i didn't was because you said that it was going to be one of yours yes i thought well, we'll get more, more scenes mm-hmm. but like you're talking about like playing to the uh, emotions of your audience is so key and another thing the idea of keeping it simple for such an emotionally impactful scene there's really not a lot of technical music all right yeah. again that term technical music referring to music that uses themes mm-hmm. or motifs in fact, we don't hear a prominent motif or theme until like a minute or two in when Hiccup decides he's going to kill the dragon. Mm-hmm. When he's psyching himself up to kill that dragon, that's the first time that we hear like the Vikings theme. We hear a little bit of the dragon's theme. Up till then, it's entirely non-technical, at least mm-hmm. to my ears. Uh, I don't recognize any themes. I don't recognize any motifs. The closest thing being to kind of like stab that uh, John Powell uses throughout the movie for like jump scares and such. Right. Um, but that's really important because a lot of young composers get this idea in their head when they're writing character themes. Anytime the character is on screen, you need to use that theme. And that's just not the case. Right. You want to save the character theme for those key emotional beats, those key emotional moments where it is a character defining moment, something where they are developing. This is the point where Hiccup is trying to fit in. He's trying to prove that he belongs with the Vikings. And he's going to do this by killing a dragon that no one else has ever been able to kill before. Mm -hmm. And so we hear that theme come up. And that makes it all the more impactful. Now, what what are you doing if you're not using a theme? You're just matching the emotions. Yeah. All right, so you don't have to worry about using themes and motifs all the time. So when we see Hiccup sliding in, he's sneaking up on the dragon, we don't hear Hiccup's theme, we don't hear... The Vikings theme. What we just hear is some generic, kind of suspenseful music, mm-hmm. leading up some uh, just kind of like a little bit of suspense, a little bit of energy, a little nervousness as he's walking up. And then when we see the full dragon, when we see Hiccup, we get a hint of Hiccup's theme, and that's when Hiccup decides, or we we get a hint of Toothless's theme. I don't know why I keep saying Hiccup for Toothless. I no. keep swapping the name, but we hear Toothless's theme, a mm-hmm. little bit hint of it, as he decides that he's going to the dragon now of course he changes his mind and we hear a bunch of different themes swapping in and out which is again beautiful we hear uh we hear the vikings theme we hear toothless's theme we hear some of the motifs used for conflict and battle um and yet those don't pop up until the pinnacle moment of that Mm. scene so when you're scoring a scene the kind of takeaway you can learn from this as a composer and there's another one that we're going to talk about in a moment but the big pickup you can take as a composer, if you're writing themes, if you write motifs and that's your style, you like to do a more melodic kind of composing, save those themes for the moments where they are absolutely necessary. Don't just throw them around. If you do, you're going to lose some of that emotional contact. You're going to lose some of that cohesion. Feel comfortable just writing some ambient kind of background music that matches the emotions for a big chunk of the scene. Then at that crucial moment where the character is actually acting on their decision or in the midst of making their decision, that's when you can start using the themes to kind of underline their thought process. Mm -hmm. As he's getting ready to kill the dragon, he's doing that because he's thinking of his home. He's thinking about the other Vikings and wanting to finally belong and be recognized by them. So that's his motivating factor. When he looks at the dragon and we hear Toothless's theme, he's starting to think, holy Crap, this is a creature that's a lot more sophisticated than we thought. This doesn't look like just an animal. This thing is making eye contact. It's accepted death. This seems like a living, thinking being. Mm -hmm. And so he starts to think outside of the village. He starts thinking about the dragons, and that's how we get Toothless's theme. Now, another really cool thing I want to point out about Toothless's theme is just the idea of how different it is. Mm -hmm. It's a different instrumentation, a different scale, a different harmonic language. 
very much the kind of element of something that's other than the mm. Viking, something that's separate. That's just another beautiful use. We've talked about the use of sound palettes before. Your choice of harmony, uh, pitch collections, and instruments as being tools for representing certain aspects of a story world. This is just another fantastic example. The instrumentation choice and the harmonic choices used for the Vikings are very different from the instrumentation choice and harmonic choices used for the dragons. And it helps create a richer, more vibrant soundtrack mm -hmm. by kind of breaking up these different subworlds within the story. But uh, yeah, those are the two things that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. 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 And I think it kind of going off of, you know, even that kind of scene where we sort of see Toothless, like his yeah. eyes open, that was kind of like the the main part of the scene yeah. that I really wanted to bring up because it was like really like, it was like full of awe. Right? Yeah. Awe-inspiring. Um, yeah, awe-inspiring. There was like a little bit of fear in there that I was kind of catching, but like it was, it was just kind of like, whoa, here we are. No one has seen this dragon before. Right. Like before, like after this, Hiccup goes in and he's like searching through the dragon book trying to learn what he can about Night Furies. Mm -hmm. And the whole like page about them says no one has seen one. No one has caught one. No one has killed one. We don't even know what it looks like. We just know that it's going to kill you. Yeah. It's like, if you see it, you will not survive long enough to tell us what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And here he is, having not only just shot one down in the first place, but then he freed it. And then this harbinger of death didn't kill him. Right. It yelled at him and then left. Whew. Excuse me. Maybe I didn't get as much sleep as I thought last night. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So no, this, this was a fun one for me though. Yeah. I, yeah I really liked it because it was sort of like a, it was like a pinnacle turning point. Oh, yeah. So, well, yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, my next one is Test Drive. Did you have one chronologically before that? Uh, actually, right after, so you're good. We can Excellent. All right. Actually, so, yeah, yeah, we'll do Test Drive. There's one particular scene in Test Drive that I want to watch. So we won't watch the whole thing. Again, a longer scene, but that's fine. We'll jump in. Yeah, I'm on it. Position four. Uh, three. I love these movies so much. These were, these were actually, when I decided that I wanted to be a film composer, this trilogy was the very first like film set that I bought. Oh, really? Because like I knew that I wanted to write kind of lush orchestral arrangements. I love this movie so much. I think it was, uh, I think it was like shortly after grad school when I decided I wanted to start collecting movies mm -hmm. that uh, this is the first one I went out and got. I got the one and two and I think I got like the third movie all for like 11 bucks. Oh, wow. At, like, the local Meyer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so but the point about that I wanted to use this was about, like, the effective use of, again, kind of themes. This is a huge thematically motivated soundtrack, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. John Powell is the master of thematic writing in animated movies. Um, now, there are two moments, kind of, uh, where the hit points are matched very well. The first one that I want to point out is when the cheat sheet flies off. All right, we have that giant like upwards rip on the brass that shows like alarm and fear. You'll notice if you rewatch that doesn't happen as the sheet flies away. It actually happens a little second or two later when Hiccup realizes that it's flying away. Mm. So he allows for a bit of reaction time. And Hans Zimmer talks about that too. That's a huge thing is not to always worry about hitting the hit points on the dot. Now a hit point is a moment where something happening on screen 
matches up with a change in the music. Yeah. All right. So here, the hit point would be the sheet. His cheat sheet flies off in the wind. The music does a startling, scary thing. He doesn't know how to use it yet. So we're supposed to be anxious. We're supposed to go from excited and triumphant to anxious and scared when that cheat sheet flies off. Now, a not more like a less experienced composer might say, the moment that cheat sheet flies off, boom, that's when we go. Mm-hmm. But a lot of more experienced film composers will tell us that you should actually do it slightly before or slightly after based off your desired results. So here, John Powell gives us a chance to react mm-hmm. to the flight. And plus, I'm not going to lie, it probably had something to do with the timing as well. That when he was writing, it just worked better to fit the theme in a little bit longer and then do it slightly afterwards than trying to hit it. Because sometimes if you're trying to hit the mark every single time, it ends up doing some really weird things with your tempo and your rhythm and your time signatures and such. So sometimes it can just be a practicality kind of thing. But the effect here is that rather than matching the cheat sheet flying off, that upwards rip in the brass matches our reaction time Mm -hmm. and our reaction to realizing, oh, that was important. Right. So just kind of the idea here is like, with the hit points, allow yourself some leeway. Hans Zimmer has talked about when he has to score an action stamp. I'm forgetting which movie it was, uh, but he talked about uh, he was uh, he had to score a historical battle. And so he met with a lot of veterans talking about what is it like to like be in like a firefight like that. And they mentioned something about hearing the bullets whiz past you. Mm. like And just knowing that you are inches from death at all times because you can hear the bullets actually go past you. Not, necessarily, not just the gunfire, you can hear the actual bullet moving. Now, the way he did that to kind of imitate that is anytime he had to have like a jump or a scare or a stab in the music, he would do it a few frames early mm. so that you would hear it coming subconsciously before it actually matched up. up. And, so, and it had a really cool effect. It's mm. a very subtle effect, but it had a really cool effect to make it feel even jumpier, even more kind of anxious. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, kind of... Moral of the story there is if you're working on film scoring and you're getting started, don't worry about hitting every hit point right on the dot. Allow yourself some leeway, all right? Now, the real one, the big point I wanted to make for this scene is last week we did Avengers Infinity War. And we talked a little bit about key emotional beats and how themes are, those are very important moments. The key emotional beats are moment in a character's journey where the character, it's an opportunity for them to change or to choose to change or something. It's a moment of character development. Right. By the end of the, uh, before that moment, they're one way. After that moment, they're another. So in this scene, the test flight theme, it plays a bunch of times, but one of the most kind of grandiose and kind of triumphant moments happens just as Hiccup catches his cheat sheet, is frantically trying to figure out how to use it again, and then just lets go of it mm. and just gives into his instinct. Mm. So up to this point, we've seen Hiccup be very kind of hesitant. He's very, very intelligent, but he allows himself to overthink. And at this point, he learns to be more of a Viking and just trust himself, trust his ability and follow his instincts. And that's when we see him and Toothless finally become like a great team. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do all the obstacle courses, zip zap all through the kind of cliffs and stuff. And it's just this really cool, emotional beat. Mm -hmm. And so that is an opportunity that John Powell didn't waste. He saw this is a key moment where the character has developed. This is like the moment where Hiccup goes from being timid Mm. to being confident in himself. That's a very important moment. And so he didn't waste it. He made sure to celebrate that moment with a very rousing, lush, large, high energy thematic statement. And so I don't know where I'm kind of going with this. (laughs) But uh, I just think it's a really cool example of just you get to see how a music can highlight and enhance an emotional beat. Without the music, sure. Still a really cool scene. All right, we see him have confidence and they go, there's maybe a bunch of foley, a bunch of sound effects to hear them zipping around through the cliffs, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have that same triumphant air, that moment of, yes, heroic accomplishment that it has with this huge kind of musical fanfare. Right. Yeah, and what do we know about moving emotions? There has to be, you know, or, or there has to be movement in you know, in the score as well. So kind of having that transition. So movement is transition, Mm -hmm. right? So, and and we can think of, you know, particularly big emotions and particularly, uh, you know, having to have big movement. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think, I can't remember which episode it was in. Maybe it was the last one. Um, You can't move a boulder by throwing a pebble at it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have an immense amount of force. Yeah. 
So in think of the emotion as that that boulder having to move. This is something that needs to be overcome. Yeah. How are we going to get that boulder to get pushed? You know, how are we going to how are we going to create that movement? Got to be big. Got to be a lot. I really like that. Yeah. So, You're going to need some kind of emotional energy to move that boulder. Exactly. I like that. And I it like has it. to be enough emotional energy. True. Very so. true. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm going to steal that from yeah. lessons. I like that. Thank of you. Course. <laughs> uh, it's mine now. It's why um, they pay me three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't pay you anything. <laughs> All right. Um, I would say so. Yeah. So before we move on, just kind of like a summary so far of mm-hmm. like moments for big music. If you are looking for moments for big music where you want that emotional energy to move that emotional boulder, there are four. Four types of scenes in a movie that you can look for. We talked about this in episode one of the podcast, I think. But the four types of scenes that you can go through a movie and identify ahead of time. If you just want to find moments for big music. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, key emotional beats. All right. And it doesn't need to be big music. It's just moments where the music can play a very prominent role. Where you recognize the music or you notice it. So key emotional beats like this. Moments where the character actually develops and changes and grows for better or for worse. You have the main titles and opening sequences. So the first couple of scenes where you're establishing the world of the story, you're establishing the characters and the basic premise of the story. That can cause for very call for very big music. Then there are transitions and montage transitions, I should say, specifically. Mm-hmm. The idea where scenes where there is a long the, the idea is that there's a long period of time transitioning through here. So another example of this movie would be when he and uh, or Hiccup and Toothless are working on prototypes for the saddle and the tail fin. And we see basically weeks and weeks or at least days and days pass by Mm -hmm. as they try daily to perfect the design of this saddle. That is a montage kind of moment. It's where lots of time is going by and a shorter window of time for the movie. So to help that time speed by, you can add more music. So Mm -hmm. key emotional beats, opening scenes, and montages the last one for like kind of big energy is what you call an establishing shot with the idea where the focus of the camera shot isn't so much on characters or dialogue, but it's more about establishing a new setting. So whether that's they're flying off somewhere. I'm just so thrilled. <laughs> You're just so thrilled. <laughs> Yawning during my comments. <laughs> am I not, am I not thrilling you enough? Am I not? You see, this no. is a time where, it's so thrilling, it actually has the opposite effect. You know kind of how like a circle goes? You like you're you're going, you're going, you're thrilled, you're thrilled, you're thrilled, and then eventually you're back at the beginning. Oh. So I yeah. I don't know if I buy that, but yeah. I'll accept it. Yep. I blow well, your mind. I'm just gonna tell myself that. <laughs> my mind is so blown. Um but yeah, now I lost my check out. So um it's uh main titles. You're establishing a set point. That's right, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, esta- an yeah. establishing shot. See? Thank you. You were paying attention. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So now you just gave credence to your idea. Now I'm more likely to believe. There you go. All right. All right. There you go. I believe your mind. You're welcome. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and one more time. Where was I? <laughs> Set point. Establishing. Yes. Establishing shots. Establishing shots. Yep. Yeah. The idea is like when the camera is panning out and the focus of the shot is like the setting. Mm-hmm. All right. It's not so much on uh, the conversation. It's not so much on the action. It's just setting up this as a new location. And when you're setting up a new location, you want to give the audience more information. And so the music is a great tool for setting information, second only to dialogue in terms of delivering info to the uh, audience, in my opinion. I'm sure cinematographers would disagree and say that the footage is more important, but I think the music has their opinions. Yeah. But uh, yes, that's that's my thing. That's what I love about the scene. And then your next scene was immediately after this, wasn't it? Immediately after? Right. Yeah. Let's exactly. just hit play then. Okay. Uh, no thanks. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Not so fireproof on the inside, are you? There you go. Gobber's not here, so... That's a fun scene. I noticed something new watching it another time. Oh, yeah? But I'll let you go first. Excellent, thank you. So, this scene was really nice. I, I try to pick scenes that aren't as, like... I like big scenes, and I think big scenes are good, but I also think that maybe maybe this is my outsider's interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, I think people, in general, have a real easy time being able to, like, understand and intuitively feel really massive emotions mm -hmm. right so like whether it's like really grief heavy or really like happy or really you know like angering or like disgustful or you know things like that um, or surprising you know mm -hmm. we're really good at feeling those because it's like whoa you know we're right there um i like to talk about these different themes toying with like safety and like kind of yeah. how we can sort of like score that and kind of portray that essentially yeah. so we see here, like, what's happening in the scene is, like, this is kind of, like, the first scene that we really, truly start to see, like, not just Toothless, but, like, other dragons also have, <laughs> say humanity, because they're not humans, but they have, like, you know, that's, like, the, the equivalent, right? Yeah, like, there's, yeah. there's like, a connection between us and them kind of thing, you know, if we're talking from the perspective of Hiccup. Um, you know, they're not all, like, scary. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be us versus them. There, there's a connection there. And that connection, you know, he kind of sees with, like, the little dragon. They're, like, playing around, and you see Toothless interact with the little dragon. It's cute, right? Um, it reminds me of a Yorkie. Yeah, yeah. And they're just kind of, like, running around and just yeah. doing what they do, playing with each other. And it's like, yeah, you know. And this whole time, Hiccup is learning these things, and he's becoming more, you know, he's becoming yeah. safer around the dragons, which is, in turn, making the dragons feel safer with him. So what do we hear? It's really bouncy. It's really, like, light. Mm -hmm. Right. So like it's it's in the background. It wasn't scored to be like in the front. So if you're scoring something to be in the background, make it small. It doesn't yeah. have to be massive. It's a very useful tip. Yeah. yeah. Like a very useful strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, bounciness is really good for happiness. You just kind of again, it's it's like playing with the language, you know? Yeah. The mood is cute. The mood is, you know, the mood is bouncy, the mood is light, the mood is yeah. happy, the mood is calm, right? Really focusing on that linguistic piece of it as much as possible is is going to be really you might feel oh, yeah. like you've got like 30 different ways to describe something use that no that, there's a reason yeah. you you have that language for that so. yeah that's the yeah. whole point of like that's how you score emotions in the first place mm -hmm. is by starting with the emotion yeah and understanding how to describe that emotion is the same as characters you want to write a character's theme you're going to write a theme for that character you're mm -hmm. not going to try and apply some random template for main character themes there there are certain things that make a character seem sound more heroic. You might try mm -hmm. that. But there's no template like, oh, you've got a main character. Here's how you write a main character's theme. Do this, 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 and this. Right. No, you have to get to know your character. You have to understand Hiccup. You have to understand Toothless. Get to learn who they are and their place in the story and allow that to inspire the music. It's the mm -hmm. same with the emotions. Yeah. You have to understand the emotion you're trying to portray. How does it inform the story and use that as inspiration? Mm -hmm. Now, something that you had pointed out that kind of like, the idea of how, like, the, the idea of safety and the humanity that he's starting to see in these dragons and realize they're not very different. I hadn't noticed that. But in the background, the melody, the theme being played is Burke's theme. Oh. There's no one there from the village. It's just the dragons. Mm -hmm. And, well, I guess Hiccup's from the village. Yeah. But <laughs> this theme that Hiccup has so far in the story been so kind of obsessed with belonging and being part of the village is now being played with these dragons. Mm -hmm. And he's starting to realize that kind of underscores that the dragons are not separate from them. They're not totally different. They don't have yeah. to be enemies. They're, there are more similarities than differences kind of thing. That These are emotional beings, just like the Vikings. And they have their own motivations for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so we get to hear kind of that idea of this theme of Burke, this theme of humanity being played with these dragons. A very different arrangement. In fact, that's what I wanted to talk about uh, in my next kind of scene, mm -hmm. 
But the idea, so so I won't go much deeper here. But uh, this theme of Burke, this this is Burke. It goes through so many transformations, yeah. so many different emotional outfits. So far, we've heard bombastic and like high energy. We've just heard a very intimate and safety oriented one. And in my next scene, we're going to hear some two more very different versions, mm-hmm. and then we'll discuss how that's possible. Right. Like, do you have anything else you want to say here? Not this one. No, no, I think I got it all. Focusing on the themes of safety. Keep we're, making, we're making some good time with this episode. Yes, we are. All right, let's do this. All right, so the next scene, my next scene is You Are Not My Son and Ready the Ships. That right. big moment, all right? Mm-hmm. As we watch this scene, I want you to pay attention to the differences in the music. All right, it's the same theme. It's the This Is Burke theme. Mm-hmm. All right, and then there's a, that's the A theme, then there's a B theme after that. I'm not going to sing the whole thing because I'm actually kind of impressed I was able to sing that in tune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'll pay attention, listen to the music, and recognize that this is the Burke theme. But how are the emotions different? Mm-hmm. A dragon can find the island. No, 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 Dad, no, please. It's not what you think. You don't know what you're up against. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Dad, please. I promise you, you can't win this one. Dad, no. For once in your life, would you please just listen to me? You've thrown your lot in with them. You're not a Viking. You're not my son. Ready to geek out about this so much all right because now we've heard it in so many different motions we've heard the burke theme and it's recognizable as the same theme but now we've heard it in kind of the big high energy fanfare this is burke version we've heard it in the intimate and safe version mm-hmm. we have heard it in a heartbreaking kind of sad rejection type version and now finally we've heard it in this kind of war anthem this war cry version yeah. That's four different, dramatically different emotional settings, and yet the theme is still recognizable. So how do you actually go about managing that? Mm. Well, the trick is to first start by figuring out what can't change. All right, now most of the time, I'd say about seven times out of ten, the things that can't change are the rhythmic ratios and the general contour. Fancy words for meaning that rhythmic ratios... If one note is longer than another, it should stay that way. Even mm-hmm. if you change the note values, if you've got one note that's twice as long as the next note, even if you change the values or the tempo or whatever, that ratio should still stay relatively the same. Mm-hmm. Your first note, it's longer than the second. Then when you change it to have a different emotion, that first note should still be longer than the second. Right. The precise amount can change, but that relationship shouldn't. The next one, the contour, is basically the idea that if you move up in pitch, you should still move up in pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be changed. Sometimes you can say, all right, this first one, this first interval is a third. I do not want to change that. Mm-hmm. All right. It can be a minor third now instead of a major third, but it should stay a third. It's up to you. But the general idea is seven times out of 10, the two things that can't change is going to be that rhythmic ratio, which notes are longer than others, mm-hmm. and the general flow. If the melody moves up, it should still move up. If it moves down, it should still move down. If you maintain those, then you can change anything else and still have it be recognizable. Right. So once you've identified what you cannot change in your theme without making it unrecognizable, the next thing is everything else is fair game. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before in episodes where like the four, like the three primary elements of creating the right mood for an emotion are valence, how dark or bright it is, uh, size, how large or intimate it is, and movement how much like how many moving layers and how much movement is there Mm -hmm. musical terms those are very easy to understand in 
if you want to get a darker sound, use more minor harmony. Right. You want to use a bigger size, louder dynamics, more instruments, more registers, more octaves. If you want to get more movement, add more layers, use faster notes, add a faster tempo, add more rhythmic elements. There's lots of things you can do. But for the emotion, these are very important signifiers. The valence is, again, how dark or bright the emotion is. Mm -hmm. All right? One kind of litmus test you can do is, would I want my family members, would I want my loved ones to experience this emotion? Right. The more strongly you don't want them to feel it, probably the darker the emotion is. Size refers to how overwhelming your emotion is. Mm -hmm. All right? The more overwhelming and all-consuming the emotional experience is, as a general rule, the bigger your music should sound. Mm -hmm. And then finally, movement typically refers to like the physical expression of that emotion. How physically expressive is this emotion? Mm -hmm. um, for the war version, there's a lot of preparation. They are tying down a dragon. They're readying weapons. They're readying the ships. There's a lot of movement going into this war rally. Yeah. So you have a lot more movement. You've got some rhythmic layers. You've got more kind of textures, ideas. You've got more instruments. You've got a big size. You're now adding a choir and big heavy brass. There's lots of thing going, things going on to help address these three things of valence, movement, and size. Mm -hmm. Now, he's able to get away with this because he identified the rhythmic ratios and the contour, specifically for this theme, as being very important. Mm -hmm. You'll never hear the note values swap. You'll never hear the, uh, the bomb, 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 bomb. You'll never have bomb, bomb. All right, I'm not talented enough to swap all the ratios. Yeah. But you'll never hear the long notes become shorter than the long ones. If right. they did, it wouldn't be recognizable. You'll never hear the contour flip. I mean, it might in some clever moments, but if he wants it recognized, he won't flip it. He'll keep that general shape. Now, for the more intimate scenes, it's the same thing. Same rhythmic ratios, same kind of shape to the melody. The only thing that changes are the valence, size, and movement mm -hmm. to shift the emotional content. Mm. So... I love seeing him do all of this. Like John Paul do all of this with these soundtracks. It's just a brilliant expression of the use of emotion and the versatility of a theme. Mm. So if you want to work with this kind of stuff, again, kind of a summary of how you would write it. If you're going to apply this to your own character themes, let's say you're writing for a film or video game or a TV show or something, and you have a theme that you've written for the main character. If you want to figure out how to use that theme, start out by identifying the character arc. All right. What are those key emotional beats that we talked about? At what points in the story is the character invited to change? Mm -hmm. And where do they change? Identify those moments and then identify the most important emotions of those scenes. All right, those are going to be the emotions that your new theme needs to portray. So once you've got a list of all the moments where your theme needs to be used, a list of each of the emotions that match up to those scenes, it's now time to start changing your emotion. So identify the elements that you cannot change without rendering your theme unrecognizable. Again, the most common type being rhythmic ratios and contour, just generalized. It could be anything. It could be two chords that you really like and you can't change those. But whatever it is, whatever you cannot change without changing the quintessential theme, without making it sound like a completely different theme, mm. identify those and then refuse to change those. Everything else is fair game. Swap out your valence, your size, and your movement to help create a more appropriate mood and atmosphere for the emotion you're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Excellent. Do you have any notes on these scenes? Yeah. So these are interesting. Um, the, where I was kind of like, where I was kind of like focused on particularly was, I guess the heaviness of, you know, I'm not sure you're not yeah. my son kind of thing. Cause you have to think like culturally, I don't even know if there's a culture on the planet that it just doesn't hurts. Yeah. No matter that, who that, you are. That really hurts. There's a lot of grief. Um, Hiccup is... How old is Hiccup supposed to be in this? Is he a kid? Young. He's a kid. He is a okay. kid. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so, you know, this is a kid experiencing their dad telling them something like that, which mm -hmm. is like, oh, you know. And I love... Pretty heavy. <laughs> and I love that the next scene, they didn't play it off like Stoic was so angry he didn't notice what he said. Right. There's They, they do show, like, immediately, the moment he leaves, he regrets what he just said. Mm -hmm. But... He decides to keep moving forward because he's got a village to take care of. I was going to say, he, it's that this is kind of that point that I was sort of taking or talking where, like, there's those two, compo there's those two uh, opposing forces. Which one's going to win? The emotion's going to show through for a second, but ultimately in this, he made a decision to put the village first, put his duties first before mm -hmm. his own emotionality, before his own son. And so that's what you hear. 
that's why the theme takes off the way it does. Oh, yeah. And I love that. It's, talking about character arcs, Stoic also has an incredible character arc. It does. Across multiple movies, as well mm-hmm. as you get to see him go from the, I don't understand my son, I'm the chief, I need to take care of the village, to being d- just a great dad. Mm-hmm. Not giving any spoilers away. Right. Uh, but it's, yeah, you see him, especially in this movie, make that shift of realizing at the end when he's like, this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. Again, not giving spoilers away, unless that's one of the scenes. Um, just incredible, like really cool, like the idea that like these key emotional beats don't have to be only for your main character. Mm-hmm. Any well written story will have multiple characters develop and grow over the course of the story. Right. And if you want to be an effective musician, an effective composer, and musical storyteller, you have to get really good at identifying those moments. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say if you don't get anything else from the podcast up to this point, at least my takeaway for that I would want to be more than the emotions of music kind of thing would be learn how to identify the important story moments. All right. Composers are storytellers and you need to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a film composer, what point does the character change? When did they grow? When did they develop? What is their arc? If you can identify that, that is going to give you so much to work with, with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Good stuff. Well, I believe it's my turn. Yes. And I will close us out with the final scene. Ooh. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. That was my last scene, wasn't it? <laughs> yep. That was your last one. <sighs> I never did romantic flight. Oh, well. Let's do this. Last scene. <sighs> okay. Thanks, bud. Stay here. Come on, guys, get ready. Hold on tight, here we go. I knew it. I'm dead. <laughs> no, but you gave it your best shot. So, what do you think? Hey, look! Turns out all we needed was a little more of this. You just gestured all of me. Well, most of you. That bit's my handiwork. With a little hiccup flare thrown in. You think it'll do? I might make a few tweaks. <laughs> That's for scaring me. What? What? what is, was it always going to be this way? Because I could get used to it. Welcome home. Get down! You ready? This is Burke. It snows nine months of the year and hails the other three. Any food that grows here is tough. Tasteless. The people that grow here are even more so. The only upsides are the pets. While other places have ponies or parrots, we have dragons. Fun stuff indeed. So, revisiting the idea of being a spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. So, traditionally in a spectacle, we go out with a bang. Yeah. We go out with a real nice big, you know, we we reintroduce the, uh, what theme is that? Um, That started out as the romantic flight theme and then mm-hmm. turned into uh, this is Burke theme. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Well, so, no, then I think it might have been Test Drive. I think it did all three. No, it was. Because it was in Test Drive, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we, we revisited this, this theme, right? So yeah. like, it's the common, it's the main theme. Um, you know, we revisited this and it, you kind of talk about sort of like that movement, right? So like mm-hmm. this, this is moving. Um, when the scene kind of started, he was inside even, this is kind of something, cause I already talked a lot about the yeah. movement, so I won't like revisit that. We kind of get the point. 
Um, but one thing that was kind of fun for me was kind of noticing the difference in like space and how the music mm-hmm. changed based on that too. So like, you know, he was in his, he was in his house. He, you know, he's got his hurt leg and he's mm-hmm. now, you know, he's kind of like figuring things out. It's kind of dark. It's small. Right. So yeah. like, there's not a whole lot going on. Opens the door. I mean, obviously he opens it twice, but so the second time he opens the door after the, the first yeah. initial shock there. Um, there's everything. He it's kind of quiet for a second. He's experiencing it. He's taking it in, and then everything is big, and it all fills up. And I think it kind of feels. And I, I think I talked about this with the Spirited Away one yeah. as well, where like this is something that you can do to make, um, to to kind of make the music feel bigger is to make the music fill the space that the character's in. Yeah. So he's in now. He's in the world. He's out there, and everybody's experiencing things in the world, and what they're all experiencing. You know, it's positive. It's really, yeah. it's really good. Like they've all become friends with the dragons. They're all flying around. He's kind of telling, you know, he's showing his kind of coming of age with like the speech at the end and everything. Um, and it's just really nice. It's just yes. really big and really, uh, really fun. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. And like I said, uh, it's got all three of the main themes. It's got romantic flight. This is Burke mm-hmm. and uh, test drive. Now, yeah. my regret about like, the formatting of these podcasts mm-hmm. is just since we are limited to three scenes inevitably something's going to get left out and we right. didn't talk about romantic flight which is one of my favorite cues mm-hmm. but because it's used at the beginning of this i'm going to use it as a kind of a chance to talk about it a little bit mm-hmm. because this idea the piece is called romantic flight and when we see it it's when hiccup takes astrid on her first flight on the dragon and she gets to see the world with a whole new view and it changes her perspective on dragons and because of the name Romantic Flight and the typical connotations with romance mm-hmm. and the word romantic, as well as the budding love story between Astrid and Hiccup, mm-hmm. the com- the go-to kind of assumption is that Romantic Flight is about, it's a love theme about Astrid and Hiccup. And it can be, it can be, it's up to interpretation. But I'm of the belief that it's beyond that. It's more about the romantic view mm-hmm. of Vikings and dragons coming together. Mm-hmm. It's like an ending the animosity because what happens in the main scene of romantic flight is astrid comes in hating dragons wanting to kill uh toothless thinking it's dangerous doesn't want any part of this and by the end of the romantic flight she's realized these things aren't what we thought they were mm-hmm. all right these dra- the dragons don't have to be our enemies this is beautiful and she's on a new team she's with hiccup and she's their first ally saying like yeah how are we going to do this how are we going to change this and mm-hmm. in this final scene when we first see Burke filled with dragons, we don't hear this is Burke. We don't mm-hmm. hear the whole Viking Burke theme. What we hear yeah. is romantic flight. What we hear is this realization of that romantic ideal. Mm-hmm. The actual like accomplishment of harmony and peaceful coexistence between the dragons and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Then, after we've had romantic flight and we've had the chance to sink in that awesome not only have the characters changed, but now the village has changed as well. The village has gone through a character arc and a development arc. Yeah. We get to witness... Then once we've got that idea of this romantic ideal becoming reality, then we hear Burke's theme. Then we hear a bit of Burke's theme as he takes off flying, and then as he takes off flying, that's when we start hearing Test Drive again. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a beautiful use of all these different really cool themes being brought together. And just kind of the... There are so many parallels between the opening scene and this end scene, between the dialogue, between the mm-hmm. shots, between the music. There's so many kind of cool things to make it feel like it's all coming together. Right. And so this is another similar kind of situation to like the closing scene. Typically, you'll find that the biggest and most concentrated use of music in a movie will be at the beginning mm-hmm. and then at the climax slash end. The middle mm-hmm. doesn't, oddly enough, doesn't have as much music typically. Mm. because you've got to help set things up and then you've got to have the payoff. And right. so you've got to have a build-up to the payoff. Right. And so this is another excellent example of having that massive payoff, of having all these themes that are now no longer new to us. They have all these emotional connotations, all of these memories of what's happened throughout the film mm-hmm. coming together and making a nice, big, emotional payoff with the return of such beautiful, recognizable themes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am glad that you picked that last scene because I did get to talk about Romantic Flight a little bit and yeah, skew my propaganda that it's not necessarily <laughs> just a love theme. Exactly. Um, yeah. But awesome. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to say? No. Um, nothing that I haven't already said other than the movie was really fun and, you know, I think that this is a real nice one. You know, if we're kind of 
if we're kind of looking at examples for like how to score for like a family, right? So how yes. to score for like you know for for a uh, for a movie that's going to be you know very kid friendly. And beyond so, that, this is just a beautiful movie. It is, yes, yeah, yeah. it definitely is. So mm-hmm. excellent. All right, so that's mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Want to thank our sponsors? Me, no monetary things. Just it's sponsor and title only <laughs> um and as well as your private practice mm-hmm. um but um yeah so that's the end of an episode um should we should we tell them about other places that they can that they can see the podcast not just youtube oh yes smart because we yeah. i have no idea how to end these things no. but yeah check us out on here on youtube check us out on spotify i guess if you're listening to us you're already on spotify or mm-hmm. apple podcasts yeah. or audibles slash amazon's podcasts mm-hmm. we're all over the place people yeah, we are. um if you want to see this podcast grow if you want to see things take off uh you can i'll add it below but you can email us at sitting at the table uh, sitting at the table, the podcast, I think it is, at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Or if you just prefer, just email me at tabletopcomposer at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Send us an email with your thoughts. Let us know what you like, what you like to see us do differently. And mm-hmm. yeah, in the future, just give us a shot. Um, if you want to see the podcast grow, share it. Let mm-hmm. people know. Leave a good review, five stars or higher. Thank you. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're here, you are a real one. Thank you to the real ones. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you in the next podcast. Bye-bye now. See ya. (laughs)